0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh,
2: and first pitch, rushing deep
1: left field. This is wide Welcome. walk Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: What's up and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, July 27th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the show. Pablo Lopez was awesome. Let's talk about some waiver wire hitters that we just keep talking about. Yeah, you know, maybe you're minds have changed probably not players to drop and much more but let's jump right in
2: oh my good goodness gracious
0: also i didn't mention this on yesterday's podcast i'm sure nobody cares at all but obviously that clip famous susan waldman she was inducted into the radio hall of fame so shout out to susan and shout out to my bronx bombers getting beaten down by the new york mets here game (laughs) one of the subway series anyway oh my goodness gracious you know, I wanted to start with Pablo Lopez, who's my player, but I don't like when I talk for so just long without it, you guys talking. Like
2: you got me <laughs> listed first, and it doesn't make sense to do the yeah. less impressive of the two pitchers in that game. It's true. So you you should just go first.
0: I will. Uh, Scott, say something, anything so that you get a word in and then I'll go. Hello. Scott's here. All right. Let's talk about Pablo Lopez, who tied a career high with 11 strikeouts at the Cincinnati Reds and he was pretty jacked up in this start. Seven innings, two hits, one run, 11 strikeouts to zero walks, 18 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. The velocity up across the board, 1.6 miles per hour on the fastball, 1.4 miles per hour on the curve, uh, 1.5 miles per hour on the cutter as well. Kind of changed up the pitch mix in this start through his curveball, a season-high 14%. And in a very limited sample this season, it's been a very good pitch for him, so... I'm wondering if maybe this can be a third offering for him moving forward. I know it's been a pretty inconsistent pitch for him so far uh, in his career. Pablo Lopez kind of needed this start because his previous eight starts before this a 4.60 ERA. Where do you guys land on Pablo Lopez as of now? It's he got off to this great start, then obviously this most recent you know eight start stretch not great, and then an awesome mm-hmm. start here. So I think we're kind of at a crossroads. Like, Do you kind of buy what we saw here on Tuesday, or do you look to capitalize and and try and sell high before your trade deadline? Scott, you're up first.
1: Well, he hasn't gotten hurt yet, so (laughs) you can make a a sell-high case just from that perspective. Uh, Yeah, it's been a while since he's been a bankable fantasy pitcher. You mentioned that eight-start stretch. Seven of those eight starts were less than six innings, so... Um, he's about at his normal innings total right now because he has avoided getting hurt, so there, there may be a workload. Even if he manages to stay healthy in the second half, there may be some workload considerations at play uh, to preserve his health. Um, I presume he's a possible trade target. I think you mentioned that, Frank. So, you know, that's up in the air as well. Uh, anywhere he goes will probably be a more hitter-friendly environment. So you have to take that into account, too. And, and, you know, just the fact that prior to the start, he was at less than a strikeout per inning. So there are there are a lot of ways you could criticize Lopez. I still think he's a good pitcher. I mean, I just look at the fact that he has... You know, he throws strikes consistently. He has a, a very good swinging strike rate. He has a, at least one plus pitch in the changeup. Like, I, I think in the long run, it will be wise to start Lopez. But yeah, I mean, there's this question of exactly how good is he and is now a good time to sell. Uh, You know, I I would say see what you can get. If you can get a clearer, like, top 20 type pitcher. I mean, I don't know how likely a pitcher for pitcher trade is, but that's kind of how I'm seeing Pablo Lopez right now. He's on the outside of the top 20 looking in.
0: Yeah, I think Pablo Lopez... He's probably more of like a top twenty-five, top thirty starting pitcher than the top twenty pitcher that we've had him ranked like for most of the season. He has that exquisite changeup, which you mentioned, Scott. I think his fastball is fine, but Chris is you know trying to find that third offering. He mixes in the cutter at times, the curveball, and both of those pitches are kind of inconsistent for him. And you know I think if if he can kind of get what he got from his curveball in this start moving forward, then uh you know maybe there is higher upside for pablo lopez so what do you think about him sell high or keep the guy
2: yeah i mean the curveball is not really a pitch that he's used all that often really since 2019 um and it hasn't been a great pitch for him historically so it kind of makes sense like he it's been a really good pitch this season the results have been really really good 53 percent whiff rate is outstanding 071 expected woba is Both of those are unsustainable, but still, you know, just indicative of how good the pitch has been for him. But, yeah, I don't expect that to, like, unlock some new level for him. I think Pablo Lopez is what he is, which is a low to mid-threes ERA guy who has some innings concerns. And that's a very valuable player, but, you know, there's always the chance of that injury coming back. You know, he's missed time two out of the last three seasons with shoulder issues last season, significant time with the shoulder issues. So yeah, it's, it's a real concern. It's always tough knowing how to evaluate these kinds of players because we can't predict injuries, you know, like past injuries are the best indicator of future injuries, but try as we might, we can't actually predict when injuries are going to happen in the long span of time. Pablo Lopez will get hurt again at some point. I wish he wouldn't. I don't wish it on him, but it's just an inevitability. That's true of all pitchers, but especially pitchers with his injury history. So, yeah, I think there's there's always room to sell high on him, and I think right now is probably your best opportunity because it's probably going to end up being his best start of the season. So, yeah, consider it, but it's not a a must. Like, I've got him 25th. So right around the same rank that you guys mentioned, and the guys behind him are like Lucas Giolito, Charlie Morton. So there's you know, it's, oh, I'd a, it's take a kind Charlie of, Morton
1: over him at this point.
2: I think I would as well, but it's kind of a squishy range at starting yeah. pitcher. You know, I think yeah. he's block,
1: glob-ish to to use that term. Well, I mean to speak to the glob, uh, you know, I just moved Giolito down to fortieth. So yeah, there's <laughs> a, <laughs> there's a there's a you know, a, a lot of different ways you could go with that range of pitchers.
0: All right, I have one hitter and I have I have one pitcher and a couple of hitters. Would you sell Pablo Lopez for <laughs> for Jacob Degrom right now if you could?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I mean, <laughs> what is Jacob Degrom's trade value? That's... I don't
0: know. Like, I'm looking at the rankings, and we all have Degrom around like SP20. So I don't, maybe you could pull it off. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. But, well, I don't know. that's. I don't know the, <laughs> I don't know how much I want to. <laughs> exactly. Um, if it let let let's make it a league size issue. Ten team league. Yes, I will. I will shoot for the stars with Degrom. Twelve team points league. Twelve team points leagues, which is kind of medium depth. Uh, I, I, I would. I lean, would. I would lean to yeah trading for Degrom, going for the upside. You only have so many lineup spots in that format it's a deep league like a 15 team or 16 team or I'd be more likely to play it safe to whatever degree
2: sticking yeah, with that's, Lopez that's is the thing is yeah.
1: yeah
0: all right and that's then a tough one I have three borderline top 20 ish outfielders right now Whit Merrifield Brian Reynolds JD Martinez let's say you need a hitter do you think that's
2: fair value for Pablo Lopez I think I'd probably need a little more you know especially for Merrifield at this point yeah. um right but uh, none of the like Martinez, I think, is the closest, but he's been kind of just okay for a while and banged um, up, similar too. to last season. Yeah, you
1: so yeah, you'd need, you need more in exchange for Lopez, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, I'd need okay. more to give up Lopez. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Top 70 ish overall players.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, oh my goodness gracious, Chris, for you on the other side of that game.
2: Yeah, we'll look on the other side of that game and, and Hunter Green, who. Look, it's the Marlins, but you're happy any time a guy with his potential puts together a good start, and he did. Uh, not a Six strikeouts, six and a third innings, two earned runs, one walk. He had, sorry, loading the page up, 18 swing strikes, 11 of them with that slider. That remains a very, very good pitch. Velocity was up to 100.3 miles per hour. He remains arguably the hardest-throwing pitcher in baseball. It's actually kind of funny. I was looking at Pablo Lopez. You know, had our, one of the highest velocities starts of his season, 94.4 miles per hour. He was the softest tossing player in this Marlins-Reds game. <laughs> a game between two of the worst teams in baseball. Or right. two bad teams, I guess, which is just baseball's nuts right now. Um, yeah, Hunter Green. He's going to continue to be aggravating, but I can't give up on him.
0: Wow, I didn't realize his roster rate was down to 75%, which I guess makes sense when you look at the overall numbers for Hunter Green. He's got a 5.59 ERA. Like, yeah. I, I can't defend that. He also has 119 strikeouts. So, I mean, that is no. very valuable. He's got a great swinging strike rate. But, you know, the ERA, the whip, it hurts you quite a bit. And, you know, how many wins are you going to get pitching for the Cincinnati Reds? It's, you know, I get it. He's a fun pitcher, but it's his. I feel like it, this is weird to say because obviously he has a ton of upside, but his upside is kind of capped right now. Just kind of pitching for the Cincinnati well, Reds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's generally trending in the right direction. Uh, You know, it helps his last three starts, the velocity has been up as much as it has. But, I I mean, a a part, a a big part of the problem with Green from a rest-of-season perspective is that, like, his season's likely to end before most other pitchers. True. Uh, Since the Reds are last place, like, you you don't need a bunch of 100-mile-per-hour fastballs used up for a last place finish you know like that you don't need to put that kind of uh get that kind of mileage out of his arm right now and uh you know i I think by the time he gets to 130 innings or so it'll probably be pretty hard cap for 103.
0: uh scott your microphone was kind of doing that weird thing again i don't know if you're like bouncing around or anything but it just happens every now and then I, i don't know why
1: does it sound better now you do. It sounds, you, great. It sounds great. I'm saying Hunter Green's going to run out of innings and they're going to shut that guy down. It'll happen. You know, it's probably, g- yeah, that's probably, probably early in he, September.
2: He's about 10 innings shy of where he finished last season. And obviously, because he didn't pitch in 2019 and 2020, uh, because of injury and the pandemic season, that's his career high. So I, I would say he probably has like 40 more innings left in him. I, I think that's a, a decent number. And the way he's throwing... You know that could be eight more starts but you know there's no hard and fast rule with any of these and hunter green given his history you know it wouldn't surprise me if the the reds wanted to push him to say 140 innings 150 innings just to have that base to build on but it's it's impossible to know he's kind of been treated like a work workhorse though f-
0: this season in general he's this is his sixth start a lot of pitches sixth start of over 100 innings uh 100 pitches and he has a few like near 120 which is yeah. pretty
1: surprising so um more on hunter green in a little bit I, i'm I mean, i'm going to bring up the workload issue a lot cuz i just wrote about it. it the 18 starters that i think are at risk of a not necessarily a shutdown but a slowdown at least where you know they do the skipped they do the skip turn they do the oh we're we're pulling you after four effective innings yeah. kind of thing and uh hunter green's on that list
0: all right and uh Just continue to mention it, Scott, but if you haven't already, go check it out on the site, of course, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. All right, Chris, uh, rather, Scott, Oh My Goodness Gracious for you from Tuesday.
1: All right, almost 15 minutes in, we got our third (laughs) Oh My Goodness Gracious, and I can't even remember who I picked. Who did I pick?
0: Mike Clevenger.
1: There you go, Mikey. Yeah, I just wrote about him. Uh, Too, but I wrote about him in a different context because he is not going to run out of innings. Even though it's his first full year back from Tommy John surgery, he's missed so much of it with various ailments unrelated to the elbow. He's had three separate IL stints in the first half. So he is free to, free to roam here in the second half. And, uh, Trending the right way as far as workload goes. So he went seven innings in this start against the Tigers. It was an effective start. I mean, it was against the Tigers. Two earned runs. Five strikeouts is an unimpressive number. Ten whiffs on 92 pitches. Whatever. Uh, But it was a good start. And Now four of Clevenger's last five starts have been six innings or more. And if there's no babying of him, then I'm not sure what there is not to like here because... I, I look, obviously small sample because of all the time he's missed, but I, I, I break down Clevenger and he, he basically looks like Mike Clevenger. The velocity's been down a little from its peak, but that three-year run uh, of Clevenger being a high-end fantasy pitcher, I believe it was 2017 when it started, his velocity is still higher than it was at the start of that run like there there had been some fluctuation with his velocity over and, and we've seen him be infect, effective in spite of that so I, I think his velocity is good enough for him to be uh for him to be a reliable pitcher for you down the stretch the swinging strike rate looks good he's not walking a bunch of guys and and as i pointed out he's he's giving you a legitimate starters workload right now the padres just cut down to a five-man rotation after being six-man for most of this year. So I, there's a lot to like, I think, about Clevenger going forward. And because, uh, because you know, he's kind of a forgotten man with all the time he's missed, I, I think it presents a good buy-low opportunity.
2: Yeah, One thing I will point ahead. out is, you know, he did go seven innings in this start. Like you mentioned, six innings or more in four of his last five. He's only thrown more than 94 pitches once in that span, and that was 98. So his pitch counts are 86, 98, 83, 94, and then 92 today, even though he went seven innings. So, you know, the, the pitch counts haven't been, like, super high given how deep he's pitched in the game. games. So that's a good sign that he's been effective and, and efficient. And, you know, in this start, it was interesting. He didn't have a swinging strike, I think, until his 42nd pitch of the night. Um, and then had 10 in his final 50. So that's a pretty good sign. But yeah, I, I, I don't expect Clevenger to be like I, like, I don't expect him to average six plus innings per start moving forward necessarily. But I, I do think he's always been someone who's outperformed his peripherals. He's always been someone who's, you know been a little better than you would think, at least in terms of run prevention. So I, I think that'll continue. I, I think he is a, a buy low candidate. I agree with that, or a, just a buy in general
0: and he is in a contract year so perhaps looking to cash in on a big second half i, I kind of mm-hmm. buy into those narratives uh, i think something you could pull off here just in general sell sell high by low is pablo lopez for mike clevenger and another piece like if you're someone who sure. needs depth on your team i think that's something that you can uh, look into doing right now let's move over to some hitters the waiver wire hitters and i mentioned like It's just hitters we've been talking about a lot recently because they they keep playing well. So uh, we'll start off with Hunter Renfro. He went one for four with his 17th home run. He's now up to 73% rostered. So, you know, more of a shallow add, you know, maybe a head-to-head points league, something like that. Would you guys drop a Cody Bellinger for Hunter Renfro? Bellinger hit his 13th (laughs) home run of the season on Tuesday.
2: I have no good reason to say no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's that's it. I mean, I I think we're at the we've crossed the threshold where uh, you have to, and you know if are if you're just talking a redraft league where you have to weigh upside versus what they're doing for you right now. I mean, you're always going to weigh it to some degree. I'm not saying, uh, you know, you drop a a slumping Kyle Schwarber for some guy off the waiver wire, but you know what I'm saying. Like Bellinger's done nothing all year. At his best, he's probably better than Renfro but you know at, at this point I'm kind of done holding out I, I don't even it. know if he's like cuz I don't know
2: what Cody Bellinger at his best looks like anymore because the the best we've seen from him in his last 1000 plate appearances was when he had a 788 OPS in 2020 I mean we're going like literally we're about 50 plate appearances away from it being a 1000 plate appearances since his MVP season 700 over the past two seasons where he's just been not useless for fantasy because he's on like an 18-18 pace or something, but very bad, mm-hmm. very, very bad Cody Ballinger um, with underlying numbers to back it up. I mean, he's he's right at his expected WOBA right now, 280-281. to 281, That is dreadful. I can't give you a good reason to, to not drop Cody Ballinger. I can't say that I would be actually able to to hit the button myself but i think that probably highlights a flaw in how i play fantasy baseball
0: i think in a points league I, i'd be all right doing it in uh, categories league it is a little bit tougher because the 11 steals he has on the season but i mean it, you're right yeah it's, it's been a long time and, now and and overall 650 647 ops on the season it's just what are we doing
1: yeah i agree
0: all right, let's yep. move over to the third baseman that we keep talking about. Jose Miranda, another big game. Three for four with a double, two RBI, back-to-back, three-hit games, and now has the overall batting average up to 271. He is 45% rostered. Ramon Arias does it again. He went one for three, hit his 11th home run, and it was it was a pretty long one. it was it was a bomb. It's like 425 feet it was like over there whatever you want to call it, the great wall in left field whatever they're calling it uh, but he has 11 home runs in 66 games that is a 25 home run pace over 150 games uh, again that is Ramon Arias he's just having a massive July Chris how would you rank these three if you need either a third baseman or corner infielder Miranda Arias Nolan Jones who hit his second home run of the season on Tuesday
2: I think I would go Miranda, Jones, or Rias. Um Miranda, we, we still don't know what, it, what the playing time is going to look like. That would be the biggest concern. But Miguel Sano was back in the lineup today. I think it was his first game back, right? And, um, I believe so, yes. And Luis Arias actually sat against the lefties. So, you know, it was Miranda in the lineup with Sano starting. So I don't know what that means moving forward. It's one game, who knows, but that's a good sign. And it'd be hard to take him out of the lineup right now. And he's, you know, got some pedigree. So I really like what we're seeing from Miranda and he, he would be the top guy for me.
0: Yes, it was indeed. Uh, Miguel sino's first game back. Scott, how do you rank these three? Miranda, Arias, and Nolan Jones, who, by the mm-hmm. way, the strikeout rate has climbed, as you predicted. It's not like unbearable. I think it's like 26%, but it has climbed a little bit for Nolan Jones.
1: Yeah, but the, the walk rate has been great. The quality of contact has been great, mm-hmm. uh, so I think if as long as those stay that way, and I have faith in the walk rate, especially looking at his minor league track record, as long as those stay that way, he can—he's a guy who can afford to strike out at uh, at a near thirty percent rate. I think I questions of playing time there too. The the Guardians face so few left-handers since he got called up that I. I Still don't think we have a clear idea how that's gonna go, him being a left handed hitter. Did but he make I, I mean, Muncy comp when he got called up? Did anybody make it? No, I don't think so. Okay. That, that's, or, that's, maybe, well, maybe he did, actually. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember. Anything what you say, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh kind of a kind of a three true outcomes guy, I guess. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, I mean I, I don't I don't I don't buy this Areas thing very much. His quality of contact is Pretty good. Like the the I'm not. I,
2: I don't think it's nothing. Like I think Arias is worth picking up. I would just. He's. I would rather have Miranda, especially. I think Arias and and Jones is closer, but. Yeah. I do think the the overall skill set for Miranda is a little stronger.
1: Yeah, I, I rank them the same way: Miranda, Jones, and, and Arias. Like, Arias kind of reminds me of like remember when Freddie Galfis was useful for a couple years there, <laughs> like he'd eke out twenty homers with a not-terrible batting average. like Maybe that's what Ramon Arias could be.
2: Arias's underlying numbers are better than that, I think. You know, the 73rd percentile on average exit velocity, 90th percentile on hard hit rate. You know, there are some things to like given that he's a a pretty good contact hitter as well. So I don't want to downplay him too much.
0: I picked him up in a few roto leagues where you've obviously got the middle and the corner infielder. Mm-hmm. And I think having his versatility and the skill set that he brings right now, you know, hitting for a decent batting average and, and, and decent pop for, I mean, let's call it for what it is. The Orioles are, are playing pretty well right now. So it, I it's I mean, they are
2: not in last place. It's July 27th <laughs> and the Orioles are not in last place. That's remarkable. That's yeah, shout out to so, them. So,
1: by the way, I'm, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, Frank, but Jose Miranda has... Well, he entered today batting three fifteen since June 1st, and, and so with another three hits, he's probably up near three thirty. I, I don't know, I haven't done the math, but, like, I, like, that's how hot he's been. I, mm-hmm. I, I know the overall stat line doesn't look great for Miranda still because it took him a while to get going, but, you know, and, and that's with average exit velocity is near 90 miles per hour during that stretch, the strikeout rate's about 20%, you know. And he's putting the ball in the air a lot. He's maximizing his power. So that's all good signs for Miranda.
0: Speaking of high batting averages since June 1st, Stephen Kwan went three for five with his seventh steal. And since the start of June, he is batting exactly 330, the 10th best batting average uh, during that time. Only a 9% strikeout rate, which kind of makes you think if you play in a points league, this guy might be pretty good. Well, you're right. Last 28 days, and this is before his big game on Tuesday. He is a top 10 outfielder over the past month in head-to-head points leagues. Stephen Kwan is. So, you know, obviously a lot of it has to do with that plate discipline leading off, getting a a good amount of plate appearances for the Guardians. He's 49% rostered. I don't think that I would make this move, but someone on Twitter asked me if I would drop Taylor Ward for Stephen Kwan. And like, in a shallow league, in a points league,
1: I might do it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. In spite of what I just said with the, the Bellinger-Renfro comparison earlier, I mean, that's, that's Bellinger, who, Chris, as Chris pointed out, hasn't really been good since 2019. Um, you know, Taylor Ward was the best player in fantasy for two months and has cooled off quite a bit, but, you know, showing signs of coming around recently. And there's just, like, there's just no next year for you know like when he's hitting yeah
0: scott move around a little bit because it's happening again yeah
2: like here's here's a good example of of the limitations for Quan is since june 1st he's hitting 330 which is the 10th best batting average in baseball as frank said he is on an 83 run 48 rbi three home run (laughs) 14 stolen base pace so like that's when he's hitting 330. yeah i just yeah he just he doesn't do anything that that's the problem like the steals are 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 okay but you know i think we made the david fletcher comp you know last time we talked about him last on sunday show or monday show and i just kind of think that's what he is like the batting average i don't want to write it off you know the the 330 batting average that's going to help your fantasy team no matter what but if he hits 290 290 is still a really good batting average but if he hits 290 he's probably not worth using I don't think that he's. That's the difficult thing.
0: It's hard to say he's a must add in a points league because it's just so shallow. You only you know starting probably you know forty outfielders if you factor in some utility bats. But I mean it's you know top ten over the last month. It's it's hard to yeah. argue with that. So you know the numbers are what they are. So uh, if you're desperate for an outfielder in a points league, I, I think Stephen Kwan is uh, is definitely worthy of an add there. What size league do we add, if any? I brought up Jamer Candelario on, I think it was yesterday's podcast. He went two for five, hit his 10th home run, his third homer in two nights. And he's having a good July. 268 batting average, five homers, 12 RBI, 923 OPS, 13% barrel rate in the month of July. And that's before this home run uh, here on Tuesday. So that number is only going to go up. He's 21% rostered. Is this like a 12-team roto? thing Scott or is it you know does it have to be deeper than that what do you think for Candelario
1: I mean I think it's desperation you know I I I understand why you keep bringing him up because we have we have to talk about somebody who's available right and I think it's just you know most of the players who are available at this stage of the season just aren't very good however I mean maybe you lose your third baseman and and you have to sort through those options Candelario appears to be a hot hand play and he's been useful for stretches before, had a good second half last year, though mostly manifested as doubles. I would point out, which aren't useful and at least not directly useful in five by five leagues. So, you know, that, you know, that, that's, that's as much as I think you're going to get from Candelaria. I don't think there's a breakout happening here or anything. You know, I made that
0: argument to Nando DeFino once we were talking about like Roto versus head to head points and, he was trying to tell me why Roto was the best. I'm like, but doubles don't count for more. And then, of course, his response was, well, you're closer to scoring a run. So.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there <laughs> there is an indirect impact, though. I mean, it's kind of like on base percentage. Like, it,
2: you know, it's, it's not, really impact, not really impacting a player's fantasy value. And it probably should. But, you know, right.
1: Yeah. On well, points, leagues, it does. It depends what format.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm. Mean. Yeah, yeah, roto. yeah. But in roto, yeah, I mean, it's, unless you score yeah. a run, a walk doesn't
1: uh, really help. I, I guess it, if you factor, it in- improves your chances of driving in a run too. If there's a guy on base, it's better than sure. a single. Fair.
0: Uh, some hitters in deeper leagues that kind of popped up here, you know, recently in general, Luis Renjifo. I feel like we spoke about him recently, Chris. We just kind of like laughed it off. He's, he's been pretty good over the past month. I'll, I'll pull up his July numbers. I meant to do that, but I didn't write it in here. He went two for five with two RBI. He is 6% rostered. Chad Pinder hit a grand slam in the month of July. He's hitting 308 with four homers, 17 RBI and Victor Robles had two hits and and His 12th steal of the season he has let off the past two nights for the Nationals and in July He's hitting 280 two homers five steals. So I mean that could be 15 team League worthy uh, Chris, what do you think about these three names in deeper leagues? Renjifo Pinder Victor Robles
2: Robles is the most interesting of them which tells you how <laughs> uninteresting this group is <laughs> because Robles is um, You know pretty pretty hopeless at this point um, It's good to see him batting at the top of the lineup, and if he's going to have value the rest of the season in a Roto League, it'll just be from eking out a decent batting average and stealing some bases. I don't really think there's room for him to do much else. You look at the underlying numbers, still looks like one of the weakest hitters in baseball. And so you're just hoping that the Nationals lineup is so bad that he hits leadoff regularly, hits 270, is probably the the most optimistic I would be and and maybe steals 10 bags for the rest of the season. You know that that would be a success story for Victor Robles at this point.
0: Before we hit the break if you would be so kind. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple. Feel free to drop a question or a team name Tuesday in the review. If you listen to us on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating there as well. And as I've mentioned, and I'm gonna continue to mention, this is the final week that you can nominate Fantasy Baseball today for the Best Sports Podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Again, the link to help us out is podcastawards.com slash app slash signup, and then toggle down the sports category. We have a QR code if you're watching us on YouTube. It's in the top right, right next to Scotty's head, and uh, pull out your phone. You scan that. That'll bring you right to the link as well. Uh, The link can also be found in the podcast and YouTube description.
1: We're gonna take a break, and we'll be back right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles,
2: If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If Ready PG.
0: The news and notes. Fernando Tatis took batting practice with his teammates on Tuesday, the first time he's done so since injuring his wrist, and he could face live pitching a couple of times next week before going on a rehab assignment, which kind of makes me feel like Mid-August is a realistic timetable, assuming that we get no setbacks here with Fernando Tatis. Julio Rodriguez did indeed make his return to the Mariners lineup on Tuesday, and I think he's fine because he hit his 17th home run of the season. He, He looks like Julio Rodriguez. Manny Machado tweaked his ankle a little bit in extra innings, so something to watch there. Hopefully he's all right. Chris Bryant, who missed Monday's game due to a foot injury, returned Tuesday as a designated hitter, and it turns out that he's uh dealing with plantar fasciitis, so I am between that and back, it's no, it's this guy's beer. up
2: uh, just get a cold beer bottle and rub it under roll it under your foot. (laughs) That always helps me. yeah, you're speaking from experience, Chris? (laughs) Yeah, man, that's it's a it's a real issue. That's why I had to stop skateboarding.
1: I I know Chris Bryant comes here for medical advice, so I'm glad I'm, look, I'm glad you're here. I'm not to saying it's medical it.
2: advice; it's just you know he, he's starting to get into his 30s. I'm just you know trying to <laughs> trying to help a, a fellow geriatric millennial out.
0: Chris, how far did you get in your skateboarding career? I'm sure everybody's dying uh, to know.
2: I, I I I ollied a five step once. What does that mean? Like you know five sets of five <laughs> stairs. You, I jumped oh. down it.
0: Uh, that's, uh, that's like decently impressive, I would say.
2: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't do it now. <laughs> I'm barely, my wife won't let me. I've talked about it when that Tony Hawk uh, remake came out last year. I talked about buying a skateboard, and my wife rightly talked me out of it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could land a kickflip right now. Ooh. Ah, you know what I've always. It's, only, it's just a question of whether I would hurt myself before I land it.
0: I was never able to do a kickflip. I I had some skateboarding days. I I was not good. Definitely did not ollie down like five steps or anything. But well,
1: I I wonder like what gives? As speaking as somebody who's not very coordinated or (laughs) daring, I guess like what motivates you to try that in the first place? Like what makes you think the the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? (laughs) That's the entire reason for me and millions of other people. I, I get that would make you want to be able to do it, but what makes you think this is not like... I was 11? Okay. <laughs> okay. Here
0: when I go. was younger, I, I used to use it as a form of transportation. I mean, that, that was one of the legitimate reasons. And then, you know, I mean, being able to land any kind of trick, it just it's a pretty cool feeling,
1: but... Yeah, it's pretty uh, cool, yeah. man. I'll, yeah, I wouldn't... Oh, I mean, that's first great, time you land a tray like, flip? Ooh, boy. But I imagine... That the first time you try it, it doesn't go successfully. No. Oh, and it's, it's, it's very just painful. Endless
2: hours of frustration and pain. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: No pain, no gain. You, Come you, on, you Scotty. So you just, I don't okay, remember how so we got just here. Don't, don't mind it. Okay. Uh,
0: anyway, John Carlos Stanton was placed on the IL with left Achilles tendonitis, which kind of came out of nowhere retroactive to yeah. Sunday. Um, I don't know. Maybe this affects their trade deadline plans. Pushes them towards an outfielder. We'll see. Bobby Witt Jr. has missed two straight due to right hamstring tightness. Mitch Hanniger moved his rehab assignment to AAA on Tuesday and should be back soon with the Mariners. Speaking of which, George Kirby was recalled and Matt Brash was optioned back to AAA. More on Kirby in just a bit. Jesus Lazardo will make his third minor league rehab start Wednesday at AAA. He's 72% rostered, could be out there in some shallower leagues. Mackenzie Gore was placed on the IL with left elbow soreness. Not yet clear what the exact injury is, so uh, once we find out, we will let you know. Garrett Cooper was placed in the I.L. with a right wrist contusion. Lewin Diaz was recalled by the Marlins, and I believe starting at first base here on Tuesday. Max Kepler has been diagnosed with a mildly displaced fracture of his right pinky toe. There is a chance that he'll be able to avoid the I.L. Francisco Mejia was placed in the I.L. with, right shoulder, with a right shoulder impingement, which should help the playing time of christian bettencourt apparently the tigers are shopping everybody including tarek skuble which actually comes as a bit of a surprise obviously he's like young and kind of good kind of exciting so i don't i don't know if anything has, will come has a that. lot of
1: control left which is normally what front offices value the most so that's yeah that that is i, I imagine they need to be blown away for to to move skuble but yeah, yeah that's that's interesting
0: Yeah, probably won't happen. But speaking of trade rumors, apparently the Mets and Cubs have talked about a deal including both Wilson Contreras and reliever David Robertson also, Josh Bell is a priority for the Houston Astros, which I'd be pretty good. I think would be a nice little boon to his value. This one was really unfortunate. The Diamondbacks first round pick, second overall pick in the MLB draft, Drew Jones suffered a shoulder injury during his first batting practice with the team on Monday and it sounds like he will not play any pro ball this season and in fact, I saw a report that he he might not even be ready for spring training next year. So They've
2: had like it's really crazy. bad luck with their top prospects, right, Scott? Like, didn't Corbin Carroll miss a significant yeah. amount of time with a shoulder injury?
1: And, yep. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think he missed rotten luck most of last year, Corbin Carroll. And, you know, yeah. to his credit, he's returned this it, year and, and looked phenomenal. So,
1: yeah, it certainly hasn't hindered his development, which <laughs> you would expect it to. I mean, the, the fact that he just crushes every level despite having played so few games in the minors like he's corbin carroll shaping up to be my number one overall prospect next year he was my number one mid-season prospect
0: yeah i think that makes sense he is just having an, <laughs> a monster season in the minors uh speaking of drew jones and, and just the mlb draft if you haven't go back in on, on demand and listen to uh the podcast that chris did with our buddy the welsh last week it was you know recap of the first round and, and first year player draft rankings obviously you know the value of Drew Jones has changed quite a bit, but I thought you guys did a really good job so anyone who plays in dynasty leagues go check that out. More first round pick news. Pitcher Kumar Rocker has officially signed with the Texas Rangers one year after he was not offered a contract by the Mets, the team who drafted him last year. Waiver wire pitchers not really the best night for this on Tuesday, but George Kirby could be out there in some shallower leagues and he returned to the mound for the Mariners, and he was solid. Five shutout innings, two hits, one walk, four strikeouts. Only threw 51 pitches in this start. Had six swinging strikes. Changed up the pitch mix a little bit. He did not throw his change up, which he uses about 10% usually. And he threw a new sinker, 14%, which you know we've also seen from his teammate Robbie Ray, just incorporating a new uh, sinker. So I thought that was kind of interesting for George Kirby. Scott, how would you rank these four? Uh, shallow leagues... Waiver wire pitchers, Kirby, Lazardo, Andrew Heaney, Hunter Green. They're all between 70 and 75% rostered.
1: I would rank them this way. All right, say the names again. Sorry. I thought I could find them in the notes. Uh, Kirby,
2: Lazardo, Heaney, and Green.
1: Yeah, I would rank them Heaney, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Heaney, Lizardo, Kirby, Green—I would say—and they're all like I—I I feel like Heaney, Lizardo, and Kirby. The first of those three are pretty close to must roster. I know they're available in some leagues, so they aren't literally must roster, but they like if if they're out there in your league, you should try to make a a play for them. However, I will point out in Kirby's case, like he. Might be the clearest candidate for a shutdown of any pitcher. His 91 innings, uh, well, prior to the start, it was 91. I guess now it's 96. The, the most he's ever thrown as a professional is 67 and two-thirds. So, you know, he's all, already almost 30 over his previous career high. So I got to think, like, 120 might be as hard as they push him. I, I know they're yeah. fighting for a playoff spot, and he's contributing to that. Uh I presume they're going to acquire another arm at the deadline. So, you know, that that really shouldn't impact your thinking as to whether or not to pick up Kirby. Because, like, you know, if he runs out of innings, who cares? You can enjoy him in the meantime. But uh, I do think he'll run out of innings at some point.
0: It's got a random prospect question, but do you think we will see Emerson Hancock at any point this season, a pitching prospect for the Mariners?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't
0: really... He's been very good. He's doing. 2, 2.15 ERA, one Oh seven whip 11 starts at double a, but he is 23 years old. So.
1: Yeah. And you know, he's thrown only 46 innings. I know he missed some time with injury earlier this year. I, I mean, it's, it's possible. Sure. I mean, I I don't think like if, if the Mariners find themselves with the hole in their rotation and they're still very much in the playoff mix, like I I don't think they're going to, they're going to stop themselves from calling up Hancock to, to help if, if they think he can help. So, yeah, it's possible. I'm not necessarily counting on it. And I don't know how high the upside is anyway because, like, he hasn't been a strikeout per inning guy in the minors. He's more of like a, a high floor prospect rather than a high ceiling prospect. But, yeah, it's a name to keep in mind, Emerson Hancock.
0: All right. uh, Chris, Keegan Thompson, are you looking to add him anywhere? Uh, he Actually had the longest outing of his career here on Tuesday. Up against the Pirates, he went seven innings, two unearned runs. He had seven strikeouts to zero walks, 14 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. And he leaned more on his four-seam fastball in this start. And he doesn't throw it very hard, but it's a very high spin rate fastball. 91st percentile in terms of spin rate. And Keegan Thompson has a 3.16 ERA on the season, 55% rostered. And he's SPARP eligible. Chris, what do you think about Keegan Thompson?
2: I've had a hard time getting excited about him. He, he's one of those guys who just kind of, he's kind of average at everything. Like all the, all the skills that we look for at starting pitcher, he's like average or maybe a little bit below. And so I, I like 55% roster. That sounds right. I, I can't imagine there are too many leagues where I would think Keegan Thompson needs to be added uh, rel- Like he's definitely behind Kirby, Lazardo, Heaney and green for me. Although the spark eligibility, you know, That helps.
0: In deeper leagues, uh, Jose Suarez just wanted to point out he had a strong start at the Royals. Five and a third shutout. Three hits, one walk, three strikeouts. 11 swinging strikes on 78 pitches. That's a pretty good ratio. Completely changed up his pitch mix in this start. Threw his slider 44%. That was 10% entering this start. Uh, And he threw his sinker 24%. That was 8%. So just completely changed everything here. Uh, Scott, the overall numbers are not great. The swinging strike rate is kind of intriguing. What do you think about Jose Suarez in deeper leagues?
1: Yeah, I think you basically said it the swinging strike rate is kind of intriguing, but that's about it and I you know that's that's not enough.
2: I sat him in the 2014 dynasty league this week
1: All right, and, Yeah, and that kind of tells you That's a pretty deep league so. Uh, I, I
0: just I want to pay attention to this pitch mix because it's just such so drastic of a change. So it's, again, this is just for like the deepest of leaks. The Dropometer, meter. These are uh, among the most dropped players on CBS right now, and I, I mentioned his name earlier, Taylor Ward. Since May twenty first, why the date May twenty first? Uh, Mike Curland, who we have had on this podcast before, pointed this out on Twitter that that was the day after Taylor Ward left with neck. Slash shoulder issues and hasn't really been the same since. So, uh, in forty three games, two thirty one batting average, four homers, one steal. He's still eighty four percent rostered. Scott, we'll start with you. The dropo meter on Taylor Ward.
1: So, who was it I said I preferred him to earlier in the show? Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I I don't think I don't think uh, and I, I'm I'm glad it was somebody as low end as that because I don't I don't think Ward is beyond dropping particularly in like a three outfielder league obviously five outfielder leagues there's just so few outfielders to turn to that you kind of want to hold on to anybody with uh, impact potential but you know the the track record for Ward isn't great and the second half of his season so far has he's been utterly useless so. Uh, I could understand moving on to like a Hunter Renfro or something like that if you play in, in a three-outfielder league.
0: All right, let's move over to Patrick Sandoval. Yes, Chris, you will get Patrick Sandoval. He's got a 3.64 ERA. His whip is 1.51. One of those things is not like the other. And in the month of July, he's it, it's, it's, he's been brutal. 7.11 ERA. Uh, still over a strikeout per inning. The, the swinging strike rate is solid, but... The walks, the hits, big, big issues for, for Patrick Sandoval. Uh, and as we mentioned with other Angel starters, he's virtually never going to give you two starts in a single week. Chris, I, I've got some questions recently about Patrick Sandoval. Where is he on the drop meter for you?
2: I'm not going to be able to bring myself to drop him, but it's one of those situations where I couldn't necessarily give a good articulation as to why someone else shouldn't. Um, you know, it's interesting, the, the thing that he's changed in the month of July. He's gone away from the four-seam fastball. He he has almost not thrown it at all after it being his most used pitch. I don't want to say his primary pitch, but his most used pitch. Uh, and the sinker has actually not been a bad pitch for him in the month. Uh, 291 expected Woba, 15% whiff rate is whatever, but it's better than the four-seam fastball. Um, the concern I have is just that what if the shape of the sinker relative to the four-seam fastball makes his other pitches less effective? His slider's been getting hit really hard so far this month. Um, so, you know, that that would be the concern for me. But I still think there's just so much talent here that I can't go away from him. Um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been a frustrating and disappointing season for Patrick Sandoval, to say the least.
0: Scott, would you draw Patrick Sandoval for any of the names that have emerged recently? Aaron Ashby... Nicola Dolo
1: I think I would drop Sandoval for Ashby. I just think I think the ceiling's higher for Ashby, and and you know if there are immediate concerns for both, i I'll take the ceiling guy. Not that Sandoval See, doesn't I think have Sandoval's a good ceiling.
2: Sandoval's ceiling is still so the swinging strike rate is so high. He just like needs to figure oh, out Ashby's, how to not die. Ashby's is higher, football. right?
1: I think it
0: is. They're very similar pitchers, actually. Both lefties. They get lots of strikeouts. Uh, but they struggle with control, both of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would you know, we I don't think either of us have actually given a number for the dropo meter yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go five on Sandoval, I'll go six on Taylor Ward.
2: All right. Yeah, I'll go three on Sandoval, five on Taylor Ward. The the injury is like the injury is sort of robbing us of the ability to have known whether there was anything sustainable about what he was doing in the beginning of the season. I, I tend to think it was a fluke, but you know, now, now I can't say for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, he was performing like the best hitter in the game, right? Right, but
2: right, right. I, I, yeah. When I, I say fluke, obviously what he was doing was unsustainable, but even like being a, a well above average hitter,
0: I, th- whenever he's been healthy, he's, played pretty well taylor ward so i think he could have maintained being a top 30 outfielder it's just again it's kind of hard to judge now because how healthy is he actually nelson cruz is batting just 231 on the season he only has eight home runs the ground ball rate is way up the expected numbers have dropped over the course of the season he has not hit a home run since june 25th and he's down to 69 percent rostered scott one to ten nelson cruz dropometer. meter
1: Uh, let's say I'll go one higher than Ward, I think. Yeah, I'll go seven. I I mean, mostly that's because outfield is a scarce position and DH is, you know, by definition, the least scarce position because you put any hitter there. And so, like, it's just, it's hard to squeeze in Nelson Cruz uh, and, and so that I, I think that makes him pretty replaceable. It wouldn't surprise me if he went on to have a more typical Nelson Cruz second half. Uh, but, you know, we're at a point now where we can't necessarily count on that.
0: Chris, you get a double dose of starting pitchers. Jordan Montgomery did not have it here against the New York Mets. Two and a third innings, five hits, five runs, four of those were earned. And over his last seven starts, Jordan Montgomery has a 4.97 ERA Strikeouts, swinging strike rate still looks pretty good. He's still ninety-one percent rostered. And then Nick Pavetta had a solid start on Monday, uh, but in four July starts, he has a nine point nine five ERA. All the regression hitting at once here for Nick Pavetta. Uh, Chris, where do you rank those two, Montgomery, Pavetta, on the dropo meter?
2: I'd go like a six. I don't. I'm not really married to any of them. I would drop any of them for. Any of that Luzardo Heaney, uh, who were the other like Hunter Green Kirby George Kirby? I would I'd drop any of either of them for any of those four guys. Uh,
1: like I I think um, I think Pavetta's totally replaceable. Never really bought into what he was doing. Like I, I think Jordan Montgomery's a good solid pitcher. I'd, I'd probably take those guys over him, too, Chris. I don't know about mm-hmm. Hunter Green. I might rank Montgomery over sure, Green, that, that's especially fine. given the key, team context. But, like, you know, if we're doing Montgomery versus, like, a Jose Urquidy, like, I'd rather have Montgomery. I think he's going to be steadier. I think the strikeout, the strikeout potential is definitely higher. He actually has, like, a swinging strike rate is nothing. It's short always of
2: been pretty high. He, he's one yeah. of those guys that I feel like he doesn't, like, he's got good swinging strike rates, but he doesn't have, like... A great put away pitch or if he, he doesn't like yeah. finish guys yeah. off well it's all it's always been the case that he's put together he's got like multiple good looking pitches but like the overall strike rate tends to be a little underwhelming I think
0: yeah no that, w- that's exactly right Chris I was watching the game on, on Tuesday here and it was like foul ball after foul ball and two yeah. strike counts like just could not finish batters off and he's got a really good change up he's got a really good breaking pitch but like his fastball, his sinker are just... They're so mediocre, and they get hit pretty hard, so mm-hmm. it, it just kind of limits the upside of Jordan Montgomery. I, I, I think he's a high-floor player, which is fine. It's just... He's never... Yeah. Like, his swinging strike rate is always going to leave you wanting more and thinking that yeah. something will come, but it never really happens
1: for Jordan Montgomery. Right. Now, I get I that, but having said that, you know, he's at, what, 7.4K per nine this year? The previous two years, he was more than a strikeout per inning, yeah. so, yeah. like, I do think he could be better than he's been as a strikeout pitcher. I have more hope for him doing that than somebody like Urquidy.
0: All right, let's get into the leftovers here from Tuesday. What do we make of Michael Kopeck's season? It's been a very weird one, and and by weird, I, I kind of mean bad. Michael Kopeck <laughs> at Coors Field. Solid start here, 5.5 uh, five and a third shutout, 6 hits, 3 walks, 4 strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes on 91 pitches the overall ERA is great, 3.16, but you look under the hood, he's got an XFIP approaching five, less than a strikeout per inning, nearly five walks per nine. His swinging strike rate is below 10%. Obviously, the fastball velocity has taken a, a nosedive compared to last year when he was pitching out of the bullpen. Scott, what do you make of Michael Kopech's season? It's It's been a weird one.
1: It has been weird, and I, I'd i be pretty discouraged about Kopech in a dynasty league. If I've had him, you know, if I've stashed him away since his days as a top prospect, finally get a chance to see him as a full-time starter, and this is how it's gone. Like the stuff has played down. Uh, the walks have been, you know, the walk to strikeout rate is terrible. It's, I mean, that's why his xFIP is so high. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about his future at this point. And I wonder if the White Sox. Won't come to the conclusion that he's probably better as a bullpen piece. I think it's premature to say that, and from where I sit, but I like I could just see it playing out that way because uh, he looked great in that role last year, right? Like the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I'm pretty worried about him.
2: So, 177 pitchers qualify for the uh, minimum on the slider leaderboard on stack has pitch arsenal stats so 177 pitchers have thrown at least x number of slider i don't know what it is but that's a large number would you like to know where he ranks in slider whiff rate among that 177
0: i'll say 170. <laughs> 174.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. that's pretty close. Three pitchers this season have a worse swing sh- or whiff rate with their slider than Michael Kopak this season. The slider whiff rate last year was 36%. This year it's 18%. It's half Oof. of what it was. That's really bad, and he doesn't really have a changeup to speak of. He's just He's got a lot of development that he needs to do um, to be able to make it as a starter. But like Scott said, it's an incredibly, incredibly discouraging season for him so far.
0: A few other pitching leftovers. Two of our favorites. Shane O'Mac.
2: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money.
0: Shane McClanahan makes it 13 straight quality starts. This one at the Orioles. He only needed 81 pitches to go seven innings. He gave up two hits, two runs, seven strikeouts. He had 22 swinging strikes. 14 of those came on the changeup. And I thought this was pretty interesting, too. He is allowed four hits or less in eight straight starts <laughs> guy is just he's unhittable he's ridiculous it's crazy his era actually rose in this start to uh 1.76 for what it's worth spencer strider was also great he uh, bounced back with a quality start at the phillies six innings three hits one run six strikeouts leaned all the way into the fastball on this one threw it 78 percent of the time scott anything you'd like to add on Shane O'Mac and the quad father spencer strider
1: So I referred to those 18 pitchers who uh, might have workload concerns here in the second half. Both of these two are on it. Mm. I I think Strider might be okay because of that time he spent in the bullpen early on. He's still uh, about 20 innings short of what he was last year, and you know I'm thinking every pitcher has roughly 65 innings if, if they if they stick to their usual schedule. Roughly 65 innings left, so you know add. You know, that would that would put him forty five over last year's mark, which is I think a fine increase. You know, kind of depends what role the Braves plan to use him in the playoffs. Maybe they move him to the bullpen late, but you know I'm not so worried about it with Strider. I'm more worried about it with McClanahan because he's basically right at his career high already. And you know I, I found a quote from Kevin Cash saying, "Yeah, we're at the point where we're going to have to start to limit his innings somehow." Uh, that's not a direct quote, but that's more or less what he said. And then of course. Right away, McClanahan throws another seven inning start. So, like the Rays are a very cautious franchise by nature; they guard, they protect their assets as as much as any club because you know they.
2: It's all they've got. That's yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> they they can't afford to make mistakes as much as other clubs do can. So, you know, I I, I feel like. I feel like they're gonna have to skip turns with him, have him go four innings every now and then in the second half, especially since they're probably gonna be in the playoffs and want to lean on him. Then, I, I just don't see any way around it. Like he's yeah. too important to their their future, so he is he is somebody worth shopping right now. Now, what would be an appropriate return for McClanahan, who's been the best pitcher in fantasy so far? Like, you have to get another ace caliber pitcher and then some, I think, yeah, to make it worth doing. But you want to try to do it now before it becomes apparent to everybody that yeah. the, the Rays are having to pull back.
2: Yeah, on. like, this might be the perfect start because he threw seven innings. So if you're just looking yeah. at it, well, okay, there's nothing there. But only 81 pitches. You know, he could have challenged for a complete game on a, you know, in a different circumstance. But, you know, that's kind of, I think, indicative.
0: It hurts my heart to say this, but I have thought about chopping him in the leagues where I have him, Uh, especially like 15-team roto leagues. You know, you have holes in other places. You could turn McClanahan into like two viable pieces in deeper leagues. So it's something I'm probably going to try to do. It 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 hurts. It it should
1: be more than viable. Like like, if you're doing it right, like it should be. I mean, it
0: should be two great pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Hitting leftovers from Tuesday. Say Suzuki went two for four with his eighth home run. A monster shot, 436 feet, 18 games since returning from the IL. He is hitting 328, four homers, two steals, a 903 OPS, 17% strikeout rate, which is very encouraging because what we saw from Seiya Suzuki right before he got hurt was he looked lost and he was striking out a crazy amount. Uh, but he has really, really returned and uh, he's looked very strong recently. Michael Harris went two for four with his ninth home run and he picked up his 11th steal on Monday night. So he's also batting 292 his 150 game pace 25 homers 31 steals (laughs) Michael Harris has just been amazing Uh, I I, I grouped these two together because I recently moved Harris and Suzuki back inside my top 35 outfielders Does that sound right Scott?
1: Uh, I think definitely for Harris Suzuki Suzuki's been awesome man I, I know it. He has been recently, and the strikeout rate has been like the strikeout rate has fluctuated so much this year that like I, I think, I think his success hinges on that, and I just don't really have a great feel for how much contact Seiyu Suzuki's say Suzuki's going to make. Uh, but he's, Harris, I think, definitely belongs in, in the high-end outfielder group.
2: With Suzuki, he's not swinging and missing very often at all. His whiff rate's in the 60th percentile. His chase rate's in the 93rd percentile. So. I think there are, there are reasons to believe that his twenty six percent overall strikeout rate might be inflated a little bit. He's very patient. Um, I don't know if it's you know patient or selective or passive. You know those are all kind of different versions of the same thing. Um, but I think it's mostly good from what we've seen from him.
0: O'Neill Cruz went one for three with his sixth home run. 111 miles per hour off the bat, and he now has a modest six-game hitting streak. Progress. Aaron Judge had a sock and a shoe. 39th home run, 10th steal of the season. Big night for the Blue Jays' Sluggers. Vlad Jr. hit his 21st home run. George Springer went three for four with a grand slam, which was his 18th home run. And I also wanted to include Alejandro Kirk in here, but... I didn't write it down. So I'll pull it up and I'll let (laughs) you know what he did. Cedric Mullins went one for three with a sock and a shoe of his own. His eighth home run, his 21st steal. He now has the batting average up to 263 overall. Starling Marte went two for four with his 10th home run. And he has really come on recently. Last 15 games, he's batting 390 with three home runs and three steals. That is Starling Marte. Uh, Alejandro Kirk went one for five with his 12th home run of the season. Byron Buxton... Hit another one as well, his 24th home run of the season. The call to the bullpen. For the Cubs, Rowan Wick pitched in the eighth inning. Michael Givens pitched the ninth for his second save. And we last saw David Robertson on Sunday. Do you guys think maybe they're just kind of holding out until they trade Robertson? You know, maybe they don't want him to get hurt, so they're not pitching him. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, to a degree. Like, they can't. They can't go a week without pitch like we're we're still what five days away from the trade deadline. It's later than usual this year. It's August second at six PM Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh so we're several days away from the seven. trade deadline still. What, um, is it? what was that? Seven days? Seven. Yeah, days, seven days yeah. away. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um so like, you know. Unless they're planning to trade him tomorrow, they will have to use him some. But I had the same thought, too. They, they must not be using him because they just don't want to risk injury right now.
0: Right. Uh, for the Marlins, Tanner Scott struck out one for his 13th save. Still kind of hoping out, uh, holding out hope that Anthony Bass will get a chance. He pitched. I'm evening.
1: not. Uh, I have a lot of Scott. Thank you.
0: <laughs> no, nah, definitely doesn't have to do with the name or anything, right? No. But Orioles. Jorge Lopez gave up a hit, but picked up his 19th save for the Braves. Kenley Jansen recorded the final two outs for his 23rd save. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz recorded the final four outs, all via strikeout. He has I been I believe amazing. he already
2: has as many strikeouts as he did all of last season. It's crazy. Uh,
0: his 22nd save of the season. I don't know if you guys saw the game. Um, Aaron Boone, which I have no idea why he did this. He pinch hit Joey Gallo in the eighth inning of this game. To face, It was against Adam Ottavino at the time. And Buck Walter's like, no, you're going to face Edwin Diaz and he's going to strike you out immediately. And that's exactly what happened. So poor Joey Gallo, I guess. For the Padres, Taylor Rogers entered with a one-run lead and he gave up one run on two hits and a walk. His last 21 outings, he has a 7.61 ERA. Chris, do you think there's a chance anyone else could step up here for the Padres or maybe they make a move? Uh, Luis Garcia pitched in the eighth inning of this game and he's been solid this season. What do you think about the Padres?
2: Yeah, I could definitely see them making a move. They're always aggressive in, in trade, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. But, you know, we haven't seen them moving away from Rogers so much yet, so I'm not expecting it. But, I don't know, if you wanted to speculate on Luis Garcia, go ahead.
0: For the White Sox, Liam Hendricks gave up a solo homer but converted his 19th save. For the Mariners, they had a two run lead. Paul Sewald pitched in the eighth inning. He gave up two runs on one hit, two walks. That's now two games in a row where Sewald was pitching in the eighth inning. Uh, you know, he's basically their high leverage guy. He's, they don't have a closer there. And then for the Rangers on the other side, Brett Martin entered with a one run lead. He gave up two runs on two hits and two walks, and he has looked pretty bad recently. So uh, maybe the Rangers are close to uh, going to someone else. Maybe they make a move. I I don't know what they're going to do, but it's not really working with Brett Martin right now. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday, we've got Brad Keller versus the Angels, Cole Irvin versus the Astros, Marco Gonzalez versus the Rangers, Braxton Garrett at the Reds, Domingo Herman at the Mets, and Tyler Wells versus the Rays.
1: Yep. I'd try out Garrett at Cincinnati, see if he can do it against somebody other other than the Pirates. It's basically what I said yesterday. I'm saying it again. (laughs) All right. Consistency. We like that. Yeah. Uh,
0: On Thursday. I agree. Graham Ashcraft versus the Marlins. This will really test it. Can you pitch anybody against the Marlins? Jordan Lyles versus the
1: Rays. Brady Singer <laughs> I, at the Yankees. Ashcraft's not the worst pitcher we mentioned in this segment. I mean, he's been pretty bad recently. Uh, uh, he's not the worst pitcher we mentioned in this segment. That's fair. Typically.
0: Uh, Cutter Crawford versus the Guardians. And Justin Steele at the Giants.
1: Graham
2: Ashcraft. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I think cutter for. I'm going to do it until the Marlins make it look bad.
0: <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about Graham Ashcraft, Matt. No, I don't know.
2: I don't feel good about it, yeah. but we also don't feel made good. Everybody look good.
0: We also, yeah, we do also don't feel good about the Marlins. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye.